to bring honor and glory to him. It's always a good thing to see. We've got not just the band up here, but we've got folks in the back in the sound booth. Uh, we've got folks that are uh, serving tonight, ushering and taking up different things. And so we just thank God for them. Uh, I just love to see when people use their, their gifts and talents that God has given them. So we're going to start out tonight by reading a passage of scripture from the Gospel of Matthew. You, if you don't have your Bibles, that's fine. I'm going to have it up on the screen for you. Matthew, we're going to be in chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And then you can follow along on the screen if you like. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come together tonight on this, on this wonderful evening, Christmas Eve, um, to celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus. Guys, we just sang... Uh, we have a Savior, and we thank you for uh, showing us the depth of your love by sending your Son, Jesus, to, to come to this earth, to put on flesh, to dwell among us. And God, we just pray that tonight as we uh, celebrate this together in this candlelight service, that you would uh, just fill this place with your Spirit, God, that you would open our minds and our hearts to your Word, that we would... Uh, just kind of forget about the things that, that are going on right now. I know, I know we've got a lot going on. Uh, a lot of us are going to be going home with family and eating dinner tonight and opening gifts tomorrow and different things. And so God, I just pray that right now we would just be able to settle our minds and our hearts and just allow your word to speak to us tonight. We thank you for your grace and mercy. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now the reason why King Herod was troubled is because King Herod was an evil, evil man. All right? So he always kind of felt threatened, his kingdom. He always felt like his king, kingship was threatened, and so he was an evil man. Uh, he ended up having people killed, and so he feels threatened, and, and what he wants to do is he wants to end up killing Jesus, okay? So it says, when King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come worship him. Now we know he really doesn't want to go worship Jesus, does he? He wants to do what? Just to make sure you guys are paying attention, that's all. All right. Bring, bring, uh, let's see, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You know, Jesus, without a doubt, 
is the most polarizing figure in human history. Listen, no other person has had more effect on the world politically, uh, economically, or socially than Jesus. I mean, think about, think about our, the impact that Jesus had just on our, our Western world. I mean, think about the compassion and, and the hospitals that you see. Think, think about all the care that is given to widows and orphans. Do you realize that all that has its roots in Jesus? No other person is talked about or debated more than Jesus. Think, think about the passage that we just read, right? Listen, this, this is amazing to me, right? Jesus hasn't spoken a single word, right? He, he's still being changed. His diapers are still being changed by his mom. Hasn't spoken a single word, hasn't performed one miracle, and Jesus is already causing an uproar. I mean, this little baby, Jesus, is beginning to set an entire city, a kingdom of Rome, the world power back in the first century at odds. He hasn't said one thing to upset the crowds or the religious leaders, and they already are wanting to kill Jesus. And what you have here is is not some fairy tale story that begins with once upon a time in a land far, far away, but rather this is the reality of the greatest mission that has ever taken place, and that is the redemption of man by God. At Christmas time, we are reminded that Jesus Christ is God's greatest gift to the world. Amen? And yet, every Christmas, even though Christmas is being celebrated all around the world, even though Christmas has been celebrated generation after generation, the reality is that for most people, they miss Christmas. They miss it. I mean, they don't miss putting up the tree or putting ornaments on the tree or putting lights on the tree or hanging stockings or buying presents. But for most people, the reality is they miss the real meaning of Christmas. The reality is most people miss Jesus. And so tonight, what I want to do is briefly look at these wise men and talk about how we can experience Christmas the way that God intended for us to experience it and not miss God's greatest gift, his son, Jesus. Now, we don't know that much about the wise men in Scripture. Uh, We we do know that they were astrologers, okay? Their job was to study the stars. So they were like scientists, and they studied signs, and they interpreted dreams. So so these guys would have been the cream of the crop, right? They were the thinkers, all right? So I want you to think Harvard. I want you to think Princeton and Yale kind of guys, okay? So, so these guys were, were not JV, all right? They, they were varsity-level guys, okay, all right? And, and the Bible says that these wise men came from the east. Now, most scholars believe that they would have traveled from Babylon or Persia, which is modern-day Iran or Iraq. And if that's the case, the distance between Babylon and Jerusalem is over 1,000 miles, 1,000 miles. So I want you to think about this for a second. These men, these wise men, they see a star. And we don't know what the star was. Maybe it was a literal star. Maybe it was the the glory of God. And they are willing to travel over a thousand miles to find Jesus, to find the Messiah. A thousand miles. Now you have to understand, this is the first century world. Okay, It's not like they could just hop on a plane. right? It's not like they could just hop on a bus. right? But, But they would have been walking. They would have been riding horses or camels or donkeys, right? And this wasn't just a day's drive for these guys, but it would have been 
it would have been like three or four months hike for these guys. And listen, this wasn't just a simple throw some clothes in a bag and start tracking, right? They would have had a caravan of people with them. And because of the nature of the gifts that they were carrying, more than likely they probably would have had a military uh, assistance as well. And so you're talking about a huge amount of people that's going with these guys. Now, here's the deal. I know that, that if I am taking a trip just by myself, it's very easy for me to just throw a couple of clothes in a duffel bag, and I can be out the door in like five minutes, right? I mean, that, that's, that's for, for most of Most of the guys in here, you know what I'm talking about, right? But now if the family, if the whole family's taking a trip, that's a different story, right? The whole family takes a trip. It takes careful, careful planning, which my wife Robin says I do none of, right? And, and it's not just a simple throwing some clothes in a bag. Listen, I, I never realized that if you're going to be gone for three days, you have to pack 12 pairs of baby clothes for three days. I'm like, what in the world is this all about, right? And so, so that's what you do. It takes a lot of planning. I mean, you, you, you basically pack the whole house into the car, and you're gone for three days, right? So taking a trip is like not any fun, right? And so these guys, this, this is what these guys probably experienced back in the first century. But what else is amazing is if these wise men are from Babylon, then here's the deal. They grew up in a polytheistic culture, which means that they would have been in a culture where they served multiple, multiple gods. And yet, what you see here is these wise men are willing to leave it all behind, travel over a thousand miles to worship the one true God, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to take, take just a quick pause here for a second. I want you to think about something with me, okay? And if you're not familiar with the Bible, that's okay. Uh, I just want to share this little tidbit with you. But I want you to think for a second, who are the first two groups to hear the message of Jesus, the gospel good news, right? That's what gospel is. Gospel means good news. And so Jesus comes into the world, and, 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 and the gospel has arrived, the good news. Uh, and the first two groups to encounter Jesus are in Luke's gospel. Luke, Luke if you remember the, the encounter there, it was the shepherds, right? A group of lowly shepherds who, in the first century world, they were despised, they were hated, they were considered outcasts, they were thieves. I mean, these guys were pushed to the margins of society. And then you have this group of wise men, this group of affluent, wealthy, powerful wise men who are considered pagans, right? And what I want you to see is this, man. Christmas shows us that the gospel, the good news, is for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter your bank account. Listen to me. Jesus is for everybody. Amen? So that's the wise men. Now, I want you to, to just contrast the wise men with the Jewish religious leaders of Jesus' day because we read about them in, in the story as well. And this is an amazing verse right here because verse 3, it says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled because he felt threatened, and all of Jerusalem with him. Because, and the reason why it says all of Jerusalem with him because they were scared of King Herod. I mean, this dude was crazy. This dude was off his rocker, all right? And it says, he assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, you have to understand something, okay? These are the chief priests and the scribes. These are the Jewish religious leaders, okay? These are the guys in the first century world 
they knew the Old Testament scripture, right? The Old Testament is Genesis all the way to Malachi. And these guys knew the scripture. They knew it frontward and backward. They would have had the whole thing memorized. Listen, these guys quoted the scripture in their sleep. And when King Herod asked them this question, he says, where is he to be born? It's not like they had to pause for a second. It's not like they, they hesitated and they said, wait a minute, we've got to go back and look in the scripture, right? It's not like they did that. I mean, without any pause, they knew the answer. And they responded by quoting the Old Testament prophet Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, and it says, in Bethlehem. And what's amazing to me is, is that these guys are not scrambling around gathering their belongings to go with the wise men. I mean, they knew the story. They knew that a Messiah was coming. They, they were waiting for a king. That's what Advent means, is to, to, to the, the wait. They knew that the, the scriptures had said that, hey, God was going to send somebody through the line of David. And it's amazing to me that they're not searching the sky for the star. It's amazing to me that these guys knew the prophecies about the birth of Jesus, and yet they do nothing at all. And what's crazy is you have these wise men, these pagans, who traveled over a thousand miles to get to Jerusalem, which is where Herod and the religious leaders were. And from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, you want to guess how many miles it is? Five miles. Five miles. You have, you have these, these pagans who grew up in a polytheistic culture, who travel over a thousand miles to see Jesus. And then you have the religious leaders, the ones who knew that Jesus was coming. And they were five miles from Jesus and they did not go. What happened? I'll tell you what happened is they missed the first Christmas. They missed the greatest gift God has ever given his son, Jesus Christ. And I hope you understand tonight, listen, I hope you understand tonight that God gave us a gift, and it's not just merely a baby in a manger, all right? Because while, while the birth of Jesus is amazing, without the death and resurrection, Jesus is just another baby, and Christmas isn't worth celebrating. You see, God's ultimate gift to us is not the baby in a manger, but God's ultimate gift to us is his only son dying on the cross for all the things that we've done wrong. All the things that we've done wrong. Now, what the Bible says, they, the Bible calls those things sin. All the things that we've done wrong. And I want to get serious just for a second with you, okay? I hope that you, you know that everyone in this room is a sinner, that we've all done things that are wrong, right? Everyone that was up on stage earlier leading music, they're sinners, the person that's standing here right now talking to you is a sinner, right? And I realize that if you are here tonight and you are not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, hearing that you are a sinner can be a very difficult thing. Matter of fact, it can turn some people off. Because our thinking goes like this, well, you know, I'm not really that, that bad of a guy, I'm not really that bad of a gal. And that may be true. But what I want you to understand tonight is this, that God does not grade on a curve. He's not like your high school teacher who grades on a curve where if you are a C student, he's going to bump you up to, a, to an A or a B, right? God, God doesn't grade on a curve. You might think, well, listen, I'm not as bad as my neighbor. 
And the truth is, listen, if we compare ourselves to other people, we will always, always, always be able to find someone that we are better than. Right? I mean, if, I, if I'm down and out, feeling bad about something that I've done, I can always go and look for somebody that's worse than me and, and then feel better about myself and say, you know what, I'm not that bad of a guy. Right? We, we, can, we can do that. And the standard is God, and God is perfectly holy and just and is without sin. And listen, the Bible tells us that our sin separates us from God. See, God created us in the beginning. He created us for relationship. And our sin separates us from, from God. And so Christmas reminds us that God shows us the depth of his love by giving up what was most precious to him. He gave up the life of his own son to pay the penalty for our sins. And the reason why it's so difficult to get Christmas right and to not miss the gift from God is because, listen to me, you've got to do something that most people are not willing to do. You have to humble yourself, and you have to admit that you need saved from your sin. You have to admit that you need a Savior. I want you to notice in, in our story, what do the wise men do, right? These are, these are pagans. These, these are guys who grew up in a polytheistic culture, these are, and, and, they, and they arrive, and before they present their gifts, what do they do? The, the Scripture says that they humble themselves, and they worship Jesus. Isn't that amazing to me? I mean, that's amazing, right? I mean, here's baby Jesus. He's probably one year old at this point, and they bow down and they worship Jesus. And what I want you to know tonight is this. Listen, God is not looking for gifts first. He's looking for our worship. He's not interested in anything that you have materially. Listen, he doesn't need your stuff to fulfill his purposes. He created your stuff. It's already his. He doesn't need your money or treasures, but what he wants is your worship. What he wants is your hearts. That's what he wants. And so tonight, how do we make sure we don't miss another Christmas? How do we make sure that after we leave here tonight that we can experience Jesus the way that God intended for us to experience him? It's the same way the wise men did. You humble yourself before King Jesus, admit you're a sinner, and you put your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross. Listen, don't let another Christmas go by and miss the greatest gift, Jesus Christ. I don't know where each of you are tonight. Many of you have come in here tonight, and you may feel like you are a thousand miles away. You may feel like you are a thousand miles away from God. You may feel distant. You may be overwhelmed with the circumstances of life. Listen, the season that should be filled with joy is oftentimes filled with depression and hopelessness. And isn't it amazing that, that this time of year it seems like there's more people that die, right? I mean, I think it's a statistic, isn't it? Right? That, that more people die around Christmas time than any other time of the year. Is that true? Is that somebody not? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. You may be thinking, man, there's no way that God could ever love me or God could ever forgive me. And what I want you to, to know tonight is this. The message of Christmas is that God came near. God does not run from 
the mess of your life. He does not run from you, but God pursues you. God pursues you. That's why he sent Jesus to this earth, because he wants to have a relationship with you. He came to us. He dwelled among us. He put on flesh. He came to rescue and to redeem us. He, bought, he brought light into this dark world. I love what Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says. Isaiah 9 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Listen, that was every single one of us. And God showed the depth of his love by sending his son Jesus into this world to give us a light. To be the light. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, he said, I am the light of the world. And what I want you to know tonight is this, man. If, if you are here tonight and you are a follower of Jesus, then God has called us from darkness into his glorious light. And he does this for a reason. So that you and I can be a light that pushes back the darkness. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's, let's pray, uh, and then we're going to go into the next part of our service. Father, we thank you so much for uh, tonight again. We thank you for your scripture. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that, uh, that you made by sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that he made by going to the cross for us. So God, I just pray now that as we move into the next part of our service, that uh, you will just continue to move in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So in just a few minutes, what we're going to do is we're going to light these candles. And as we light those candles in just a few minutes, I want uh, it to be a reminder that, 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 that light is coming to the world, that Jesus is the light of the world, that there is hope. And as you leave here tonight, just let it be a reminder that as followers of Jesus, that, that we are to be a light. We are to be a light in our home. We're to be a light in our neighborhoods. We're to be a light in our workplaces. Listen, our purpose here at Chester Christian Church is on a little handout that you got. It's on our wall out there. It's very simple. It starts out by saying this. It may, we are here to make much of Jesus. And that's our, that's, that's our, our purpose here at Chester Christian Church. That's our vision for you is we want you to be people that make much of Jesus everywhere you go. We want to, to, to exalt Jesus every time we come together. We want you to exalt Jesus in your life. And when we do that, man, listen to me, we are a light that is pushing back the darkness. And so we're going to do that here in just a few minutes. But before we do that, we are going to have a time of communion. And what communion is, is communion is a celebration of what Christ has done for us on the cross. That Jesus uh, took our sins. He took our punishment and he buried it on the cross. He died for our sins. And so when we come together and we, we, we do communion, we take the bread that represents the body of Christ and we take the juice that represents his blood, we celebrate because we have victory in Jesus. Because we know that Someday he's coming back for us, right? This is Advent season. And then as Christians, we are always in Advent because we are awaiting his return back for the church. And so we celebrate. We, we take this meal together, this bread and this juice, and we celebrate the fact that Christ has come and that he, he died for our sins and he rose from the dead. Amen?
Amen. Come on, guys. Pass out the trays.